This is black guy, white guy talking. I'm a black guy. I'm Elwin. I'm a white guy. I'm Zach. And we became friends by talking, talking about race and race relations. Episode one was recorded on June 11, 2020. And I think what's also important for me to point out, and I'm sure you probably share the same sentiment, is that in order for us to have gotten to that point, I think both of us have an intent of being as though I'm a black man and he's a white man. For me, it was always important for us to, for me to have to address the elephant in the room mm -hmm. when it comes to race relations, racism, and just to just speak frankly because that's how we do. Yeah. So we speak frankly, we speak clear, I speak to Zach. I would say, you know, with the same vigor and the same passion that I speak to any of my other black friends when it comes to race and race relations. And sometimes mm. it could even be more intense, you know, and I, and I feel like that's something that we had to establish or I had to feel like I could be established had established before we could even get to these other parts mm -hmm. of our relationship, you know, so that we know that we're being transparent and honest with each other and honest with the current state of whatever's going on. He can share what he, what he wants to share, how he feels, and I can do the same way. And I think that's, that is the significant, that to me is like the foundation of our friendship because it's so tied into our reality, mm -hmm. like our realism with all different sorts of things. And then, you know, honestly, just that was the premise of it. But then coming to really have other realizations that other people realize that we share a lot of similarities just as human beings, mm -hmm. you know, not just as a black person and a white person. We share similar ideals. We have similar characteristics. You know, we are true to ourselves. You know, we we love our family. You know, we love our kids. All of these things tie us to being, you know, who we are as complete men, complete mm -hmm. people. Um, and we have a lot, of, like, we're different, but we have a lot of similar things that are really important to us. And that's why how this friendship has able to have some substance and lead us to where we are right now, having right. this conversation. So, you know, because this is really, it's nothing to me to talk to him, and it's nothing to him to talk to me. Mm -hmm. And it, it's it's a it's a comforting thing. It's a thing that I always look forward to because it allows me to be self-reflective and I'm sure has similar components to him too because Zach listens. He listens intently and I listen. I listen intently and we have an intention of if anything arises as far as ideas or anything that comes up, we like to share those things open and honestly so we can build something else out of it or whatever. We have a better understanding of whatever it is that we were talking about. And usually that's usually what happens. We reach greater understanding. And I think that's what I mostly appreciate about the uniqueness of our friendship, but the dynamic of it is it just validates what the possibilities are of people who come from may have different backgrounds and look different, but actually take have intentions around, specific intentions around just getting to a point where we just like, all of the other shit doesn't matter. Right. Because that's the important part, not just saying, oh, it doesn't matter. Right. There's a lot of stuff that has to be 
clear before mm-hmm. that other stuff becomes not insignificant, but significant in the way we are interacting with each other. And that becomes more relevant to everything else and everybody else. So mm-hmm. nah, sometimes I ramble a, long, a no, lot. No, not too, at all. Not at but, all. You know. Yeah. Um, and I know, like, that, that's another thing I'm talking about. I know Zach is totally in tune with what I'm saying because yeah. I know he feels has similar sentiments. But yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Been thinking about you know the way, and I, and I know it's a big question. Yeah. Uh, but I've just been thinking about you know our country right mm-hmm. now. And, uh, you know, what's happening right now in terms of the protests and, you know, the call for action, the call for change. And it does feel like something needs to change in our country. And, you know, a lot of people have a lot of different ideas about how that should happen. You know, I feel like one of the ways that white people should change or should change their thinking about things is that I think one of the problems with the way that we look at the world a lot of times is we don't like to think of ourselves as white. We like to think of ourselves as Catholic or Episcopalian or Jewish or whatever the case may be. And we identify with some ethnicity or country, Irish American, Italian American, um, and some religion, not the skin color. And when we do that, I think a big problem of doing that is we actually shirk the fact that there are a lot of privileges that come with living in a white skin that we can choose to be aware of or not aware of. But it's always better to choose awareness over ignorance to actually look at that. And I think that white people's individual consciousness would change if they would just like realize when we think that we, we've had all this success, maybe, or we, we've gotten to where we are in life because we worked so hard, particular person say, well, yeah, I mean, that can be true. You, you may have worked hard, and that's great, and that's not to take anything away from that, but you're not really seeing the benefits and the privileges of a white skin if you're not actually acknowledging that, okay, I may be Catholic, Irish, Jewish, Italian-American, but I'm also white. And race has to do with how people perceive you. So if you walk around and people perceive you as white, then you're white. You may want to think about yourself as being something else, but ultimately the way that you're being perceived is as a white dude or a white woman or a white child. Agreed. And I think that's something that, that people should think about more than they do. I I totally agree. I think that's, um, you know, and this is one of those moments that usually... You know, because a lot of times when Zach starts talking, and like I said, I'm sure it happens to him too, but when he starts talking, there's things that go off in my mind as he's talking, and it lets me have a more have more depth to something that I probably was already thinking about. And that thing for me is especially piggyback, piggybacking off of what you're talking about, like white awareness and being aware of your white skin. To me, the when you said that, I was like, you know what? The significance of what is happening today is not the answer, but it appears to be maybe the start of that kind of awareness because you can't escape right now. It's everywhere. The protests that are happening with George Floyd, all these things that are happening, regardless if anybody wants to, you know, broad stroke it or not take it as, you know, give it any depth. Like, you're confronted with all of this shit. Mm-hmm. Even, like, look at all the organizations. The NFL is now backtracking and saying that they were wrong. 
you have all of these these organizations for whatever reason, even if it's for monetary protection, it doesn't matter that it still represents a certain level of awareness for you to have this strong ass stance about uh, somebody that was kneeling and it got completely distorted. And obviously it was a distortion. They didn't support what he was doing and they get they let it get lost in translation by in silence by not identifying it but now affirming him present day affirming him by this oh we were wrong right and that is you know that's a that's these are things that are starts because it's something that everybody is paying attention to Mm -hmm. and that is what sheds light on oh maybe i am white you know what i mean maybe I, I'm white. Right. Maybe I might be white after all. You know what I mean? Maybe, Maybe I've benefited from my whiteness in ways I'm not aware and of. And that I'm not aware of mm-hmm. because now everybody is aware. It's like, oh, you can't go anywhere without that. As a black person, you get, and this is the conversation that we have as black people. And and I definitely would like to hear your input on it because it landed on me like Elwin maybe eight years ago would have probably interpreted this a little bit differently. Mm. But- I can have a different kind of focus now because I've had different experiences with white people. And my experience with white people before were not great. Mm-hmm. And I had a disdain for white people in general terms. Right. And as we talked about, like as I make you know clear, yeah. it's not something that is, is hidden. But at the same time, this is a reason why it's significant because these kinds of things, like this is, it's freeing when you can talk freely. Yeah. And then in front of white people who... You a lot you perceive like everybody's not affirming or everybody's not even acknowledging. Mm-hmm. But then like like you say, we extract a friendship out of especially for me, just being like, look, fuck y'all. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. This is fucked up. I don't want to be right. you know what I mean? And then it's like, hold up. Like you can still see that this is not about a person like really hating someone. It's about, look, I don't understand why I have to feel like as a black man. All of this other shit, as mm-hmm. opposed to just being, I can't just be a black person. I can't just feel like I'm a black man, like you're a white man. And that's a difficult thing to kind of to deal with outside of what is being recognized today as people like actually dealing with these things. So let, let me explain. There's people in the, in the school, there's people that we know, white people that have called us like checking in on us, right? And so like, was everything okay? Like these are white people who would never say anything before. Yeah. You know, we have a school where we have PA CARES meetings. Nobody really shows up, mm-hmm. right? And you got people who now are like all of a sudden like, hey, like what's going on? Not saying it's not genuine concern. Sure. But to a black person, and this is how we talk about it, it's like, yo, like what the fuck? Like all of a sudden now it's just like right. you're trying to check in and see like, oh, I'm, I live in West Philly. They're looting. Are you OK? This, then the uh-huh. third, because there is a, 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 a lens on it. It's 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 like it's not like anything else that for us, it's not like anything else that we don't experience daily. Right. We experience you no know, police brutality. We have to think about police brutality every single day. Yep. We might not get our ass beat every day, mm-hmm. but we have to think about it. When we go outside, if we do have an interaction with the police officer, especially me as a black man, how do I handle that in order for me to get back home to my family? Mm. How, do, how do I process that? How do I make that something that's, that's a part of my, it's a part of me. So when all of these things, when you have to balance all of that and that 
part is like why I say it's the start where when white people are actually reaching out like, oh, what's you know, what's going on? The other part is I think will make it whole is when white people do the work with white people Mm -hmm. as opposed to, oh, just, you know, you see this event, but continue it. Right. You know, because to we just looking at it like, okay, like, I mean, you could call and be like, whatever, but, mm-hmm. you know, some we can look at it sometimes like it could be it's some bullshit. Right. I work for a company that's all white and I've had catastrophes happen in my life and they've been supportive. Mm-hmm. I can't discount that. Mm-hmm. I can't discount the times when I had a, I got my job from a white person. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That was looking out and I'm in a like all white industry and like almost only black person. I can't discount those things. Yeah. That's a part of my existence. It still doesn't mean that I it's it lifts the no. other shit either. No. You know what I mean? So it's like I'm sorry, I didn't mean to go. I felt like I was just No, you know no. What I mean? So keep on. I, I feel like these are the things that are important for people to for me, it the the passion behind it comes from allowing us to have our own understanding. And this is like translating into other people understanding that clear it is possible to do the work within yourself with other people and, you know, prior to getting together and making something happen significantly and creating good friendships if need be. But right. it needs to what needs to be addressed is the fact that, like you said, I'm white first because you're mm-hmm. dealing with a person that has to deal with right. they're black all the time. Right. So like I think that really kind of brings it together because it's like if I'm dealing with that and you don't have that consciousness, we're not really going to be able to really communicate effectively. Right. If I have to deal with the fact that I'm a black dude mm-hmm. all the time and you're not even aware that you're a white dude right we got a fucking problem right we we're going to automatically have a problem with communication mm-hmm. you understand what i'm saying yeah. and that because it's either going to be we're going to i'm going to sit here and act like okay like have these flighty like mm-hmm. com- communication like i have with like a lot of other right. white dudes <sighs> but like, ah, you know we talk about all this other shit right. but we don't get down to the meat of it because they're lacking that awareness yeah they don't spend the time. And, they, you know, yeah. you know, uh, Tony Morrison and James Baldwin both said, you know, in different ways, you know, this is something that, that white people have to figure out for themselves. It, it, it's not going to be solved by people of color. There needs to be more white people who get on board and become aware of their whiteness and become aware of the fact that when you are white and you ignore your whiteness, that's the place where white supremacy lurks most strongly. You know, I think you said that first, Owen. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's a place where you're, mm-hmm. you're allowing your, your ignorance, you're allowing your blindness to just take over. And all you have to do is just turn the mirror a little bit and you can actually gain so much more perspective on, you know, what this actually is and what it looks like to other people. You know, it's one of the things that's hard about being human is you're only ever looking out of your own eyes, you know, so it's hard to know what you look like to other people. And all of us just guess. We don't really know for sure because we look different to every person we're looking at. But you know that building that muscle working that muscle of developing empathy and also listening and and looking out and like i think a lot of that comes from also uh, a willingness to acknowledge that 
race is a construct. It's a construct. It's a social construct that we've created and that, you know, is widely believed in around the world. Uh, but it's a way that we have of dividing ourselves from one another and creating hierarchy and then allocating power and then preserving power. Absolutely. And, um, and it's not, it's not a real thing. It's, it has to do with melanin in the skin, no matter what color somebody is. I know this sounds like real basic stuff but it's it's just the truth and it bears repeating especially to our white children out there in the world this is not a thing that actually makes us different as human beings we all have the same capacity for knowledge and wisdom and growth and strength and dignity and clarity and perseverance and all the values that we would want to teach to our children we all have those capacities. We're not different from one another in that way. And so when you walk down the street and you see a stranger, that stranger looks like you or looks like somebody else, you know, just to make eye contact or say hello or like find small ways of connecting. So find small ways of connecting with the humanity that you see in other people. You know, if everyone did that, it would, it would change the world. And you're right, you know, racism and and the way we experience race is a construct. But the problem is, is that it's a construct that, unfortunately, one side of that coin, it's an extreme reality for, right? So, you know, as far as it being a negative reality, and I agree, like, I feel like it is, if we keep, we can have that that foundational mindset, like, you know what, listen, it's the truth. It is, it has been constructed, but within that construct, there are this group of people who have been right. ostracized and marginalized because mm-hmm. of that construct. That construct has caused a lot of pain. That construct has caused a lot of anguish to a group of people. That is the work that white people have to do mm-hmm. because they have to understand, like, listen, you know, just viewing it as that isn't enough. We have to have that fundamental understanding but we also have to understand, and this is the responsibility of black people too. You know, we have to understand the foundation of it. Yes, it is a construct. And everybody has their role and responsibility and accountability. And it may, may not be the same, but we all have our roles and accountability in recognizing that and making it a situation where there is it, first of all, making ourselves whole. And also too, like, because we can't rely on you know, in the current situation, my sentiment is we can't rely on white people mm-hmm. to fix the stuff that we need to fix for ourselves, you know, or the things that we become aware of. We need to be aware of those things. But that comes from, you know, I can't just say, oh, you know, this happens to us, you know, all the time. It has to be like, listen, we have to understand that there are things, regardless of what it is, however we got to get there, we also have to whether it be therapy, whether it be, I don't know what it is. We still have to make sure that we put the necessary work in mm-hmm. for ourselves. We can't right. rely on someone else, especially within the construct. It's like I, for a person in in a race, I can't, I look at it like this. The country, you know, racism is based on. To me, like the word that comes out of racism is race, mm-hmm. right? So in a race, how is it? By recognizing what that, that, that it's a construct, yes, but also understanding that it is based on a competition. If I am behind in the competition, right. I can't rely on the person that's ahead of me mm-hmm. and about to win the race to come back and pull me up 
and say, come on, let's win this race. Like, I'm going to help you beat me now. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that is something that we as black people have to understand. It is not, it doesn't sound good, but it's the fucking truth. Right. We can't sit up here and say, oh, yeah, you know, it's not this other. No, it's not anybody's obligation to help us win the race except ourselves. Mm. And that is a, that is something that we have to take pride in as opposed to saying, oh, you know, well, well, what do you mean? Like, you know, we're we're in this and this, you know, you know, they did this to us and they did. OK, that's fine. That's all well and good. But it doesn't mean that we can't establish our own form of reliance so that we can win the race. Whatever is going on, if we can, that means we need to exhaust some other possibilities. Are we are we relying on each other enough? Mm-hmm. Are we paying attention to the things that we're doing to each other enough? Are we correcting those things, the things that we are in our control? Are we paying attention to those things? Mm. And those are the things that we need to pay attention to within this race in order for us to fuck winning to co- even compete. Right. By being, I don't know how many hundreds of years behind. Mm-hmm. And a race that's still not over. Right. So that's not, racism isn't going to change. Mm. It's going to have different variations and different complexions, but it's not going to, ch- it's here. Mm-hmm. And we have to realize that in the things that, the things that are going on now, we can take those things and really just really like whatever's there for us to, to utilize for us to bring those things to, to have some enlightenment about it. That's fine. But we still need to be empowered enough to take these things on by ourselves first mm-hmm. right that comes from building a foundation anybody can come along and say oh let me do this and help the distant this and the third but if the foundation what happens when they just help you to a certain point what happens if your foundation is weak mm-hmm. you get help to a certain point and then you get let go you fall through the foundation if it's not strong right so it, how we strengthen our foundation has to be internal it has to be from within and we have to control our narrative and the help that we get when we control our narrative, that to me will be authentic because that's saying you are actually helping. You've exhausted everything that you could possibly do to help your own self, to help whatever it is and to recognize what's going on. And you've exhausted all those possibilities. Any other help that we get from outside of that, anybody wants to help us outside of that to me i would take that as a significant as as significant assistance significant help mm-hmm. that means that you are like you know what man i seen these people are in a, a bind they're fucked up but not only did they they find a way to work together they are moving the the needle and they're moving mm-hmm. forward i want to support that as well you know i don't want to put a band-aid on a situation that needs a tourniquet. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I don't want to do that. Right. You know what I mean? And and especially if you know the situation needs a tourniquet and you bring a band-aid. Mm-hmm. Knowingly needing, knowing it, it needs a tourniquet. And that's what I think a lot of white people do. Mm. They're aware of an issue. They're aware that it needs, we need a bigger situation, a, a bigger assistance. But they come in and say, oh, let me put this band-aid on for you. Mm-hmm. Right. You understand what I'm and saying? And then it doesn't heal anything. It doesn't heal anything. Didn't you say that Malcolm X said something in line with what you were just yes, saying? Yes, and he and, and and to me it's about to me, 
you know, Malcolm X, I think his interpretation, I think in his short 39 years on this earth, he's been held to a lot of things by a lot of people. And he wasn't, I don't even think given a space to actually grow as a young man that's coming into certain knowledges and Malcolm X's position. I mean, he was Malcolm X was a black nationalist and a black nationalist is not, doesn't mean, especially in this, you know, unfortunately you say white nationalists, you're automatically thinking like, you know, that has been established because white nationalists or white supremacists or white people who are proud of their race, which I'm not opposed to. I'm I'm totally not opposed to it, but the bad stuff that comes with white nationalism historically in this country has to do with offensive behavior. It has to come with, you know, white nationalists coming at a specific group of people, injuring them physically and mentally and spiritually in order to maintain their race. And mm -hmm. to me, I don't look at black especially the way Malcolm X experienced black nationalism, he's already expressively said, I, we're not looking for the problem. We're defending. So if mm -hmm. you're doing something to me, I'm going to do it to you. Right. That's the different. But he was also, I mean, in terms of what you were saying, he was about black people helping themselves yes. and helping and each other. Yes, he was. And uniting and yes. coming together and like... But you that's know, but lifting that, one another up, and that's about. But that's that, like you're saying. But yeah. that's exactly what I'm going to say. Yeah. That's about black nationalism, though. Mm -hmm. That's the that's the that's the definition of it. What you're saying. Right. Right. That's exactly what it is. It's it's insulating yourself. It's about building your own community, having your own economic structure, loving yourself without it being interpreted that you're hating someone else right you don't have to say that it's just like i'm i'm a black nationalist i believe in my people i don't subscribe to anything else that has to do with the detriment of my people i'm not subscribing to a party uh, a party system that is marginalizing me and use utilizing me for votes i'm saying i don't i'm i'm not i don't want to be a part of that i want right. to be a part of what it is that I and my people have can establish, will establish as a form of self-reliance so that we as a group of people can participate in this race. Mm. Can we so we can have economic, you know, um, um, substance, you know, so we can be yeah. in a place where we can, you know, be self-sufficient. That is black nationalism, the way I interpret it from him. And it it's to me, it's just it's a beautiful thing. It has nothing to do with, you know, being offensive. It's everything no. to do with uh, with making sure that your race is especially especially coming from a country that has marginalized your race, that you are uplifting your race. You are participating right. in your race first. Yeah. You are making sure that your race is taken care of first. It's primary, which all of the other races do. Everybody races with the intent of winning and a intent of winning their own race. And I, like I said, I don't disagree with, I think that everybody, especially when we live in a country like this, it's, it's a capitalist society. That's not going to change. We can't force anything else on this this society we right. can't force the government to change it's a capitalist society right you know whoever comes up the best idea and capitalize on it they win right that's it that's funny i think you know i think of uh white nationalists generally as dangerous fringe element 
Um, and I don't think of white people as celebrating their whiteness. I feel like white people might celebrate their Catholicism or their, uh, you know, their Judaism or their, you know, Episcopalian traditions or, you know, their Italian American, uh, cultural heritage. And, but they generally, I feel like white people, we white people generally celebrate some particular religious or ethnic or regional association, or, you know, maybe we identify as being of the diaspora of, you know, some other country around the world, but we don't, I, I, when I think about people celebrating their whiteness, I feel like it's, like it's, the Ku Klux Klan it, or something right, like that. Right, it's like yeah. the KKK or, or some element like that. Yep. Um, but I was thinking about what you were saying earlier, and um, I just uh, finished reading um, uh, Charles Johnson's new book about being a grandfather called Grand, mm -hmm. and uh, he quotes Dr. Martin Luther King saying, um, and he's, he says in the book, you know, this is not a not a quote that King is known for, but he, he was, I think he was talking to a group of uh, African-American college students, and he said, if your white classmates say that they're too tired, it's, it's late at night and they're too tired to keep working, they're going to sleep, you stay up and burn the midnight oil. And I felt like, I feel like that quote speaks to what you were saying. Exactly. It's exactly, it's a very, that is a very good way to break that, to break that down because that's what I'm saying. Like, that's why, that's, that, that's why this is important. You know what I mean? That's why we're, this, what we're doing is important because, you know, there is, you know, this is where there's a lot of good juice in this shit. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like we, that is, is significant because even having this conversation can be misinterpreted. We've already talked about this shit. We've right. had understandings about this. Mm -hmm. We've broken this shit down already. I've said something, it landed on you. You questioned it. I broke it down some more and to the point that you really understood what I was saying. Yeah. Now you're able to take that, regurgitate it because you already understood where my positioning was. You know it wasn't from a place of hatred. You understood that it came from a place mm -hmm. of yo this is I might not even be able to articulate it correctly but I was able to articulate it correctly enough for you to understand and interpret it you can put it in a space where I can even see it a little bit more clearly what I was trying to say right right I think that's right and I also think that like in general in this country black people and white people don't talk to each other that's enough. right they don't, they don't talk to each other enough and uh, so I just feel like, you know, there should be more spaces like this where, you know, you know, you, 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 you have people talking to each other in a real way. That's right. You know, who are who happen to be different races. That's you know? exactly right. Because I feel like people in this country need to hear these conversations and conversations between black people and white people that are not, you know, just like. You know, Fox right. oh, News what the fuck is the, the, or, the Eagles are yeah, doing? Like, right, you, know, you got to be willing to we be love uncomfortable. Sports, yeah. We love sports. Right. We both are like sports nuts. Absolutely. And as we could sit up here and talk about sports all day, but at the end of the day, we, we're talking about stuff that's uncomfortable. That's we're right. in an uncomfortable space, and that's why we share comfortable spaces and enjoy it even more. Yes. Because we can be in an uncomfortable space. And talk about shit that's uncomfortable to the point now it's not uncomfortable anymore and we talk about it and we extract the good shit out of it. And then when it's time to go and, and really enjoy a fucking beer, we can do that. 
absolutely. And it it also like I feel like there's a, a lot of benefit for me because I'm deepening my awareness and expanding my consciousness and you know in in ways that I otherwise wouldn't have an opportunity to you know it's like that's what this friendship um does you know for me and it's both ways it ain't yeah. one-sided at all shit like you know at the end of the day it's 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 framed for me from a person that has experienced I've experienced strong like systematic rape I got kicked out of school for indecent encounters with a white woman and that's what they would say and i don't have any problem saying that but at the end of the day i was a kid like we weren't it wasn't even like it was like completely innocent like we were playing fucking like giving each other's wet willies and shit like that that's like like okay what the fuck you know what i'm saying like it wasn't even you know it was we weren't even having sex you know what I mean? Like, but I, at that time, I didn't even understand mm. what was happening. I was in an isolated situation with dealing with something that was way above my my head, and I'm subjected to this shit. Getting kicked out of school for what? I don't know what the fuck is going on. But the white girl's parents didn't like the fact that she was even associating with me in the school. It came down to the school, and the school made sure that I left in the middle of the night. Wow. So that is something that to me, those are the things that happened when I was like, I don't know, maybe well, I was a junior in high school, whatever fucking age that is, 15, 16, 16 15, yeah. you know, and I'm like, you know, that's that was my reality. Mm-hmm. Right. So that is something I had to deal with, but not understand. I don't you know, you know, my family, we don't get kicked out of school. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? You no, know, I had to deal with that shit. So. And being as though I didn't even really understand until later, that's when my hatred grew. Mm. You know, that's when I started to be like, you know, fuck this shit. And then I started seeing, then you getting pulled over. All the times you get pulled over by the cops and all these things, it just magnifies it and lets you know it's not just isolated incidents. Right. It has, it's a part of a system. That's what systematic oppression is. Mm. So systematic oppression is... For most black people, it's something that they're not aware of because Mm -hmm. they're experiencing series of events, especially at a younger age. And then it becomes overwhelming to the point where they're like, hold up, this is a problem. Why does this keep happening? That's what systematic oppression Mm -hmm. is because it has an origin. It has a place where people are like where it came from and then you're thrown into it. And then you have to deal with it. It's you going to a shitty public school that doesn't even have any, which we talked about, doesn't have any way of giving you proper education. That's the first part. Then you find yourself out of that situation, not knowing what to do, not knowing how to educate yourself, not knowing how to get yourself out of. And then you start doing things that are going to put you in in a position where you're going to cause farther harm to yourself. And and you're just trying to find a way to survive. Mm. That's systematic. It's set up for you if you're not smart enough to get around whatever pitfalls are there to fall through it. Mm-hmm. You know, and and to fall and to fall into the system. That's the significance of these conversations. So we can understand what these things are. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And we have a clear perspective. And we're sharing our perspective. We're learning and we're right. still trying to, un- we unpack things. Right. You know what I mean? And we can look at them for what they are. And now and now we can talk about them. And, I, you know, now I can, I, I'm telling you this stuff 
And I'm sure as I'm talking to you, it's hitting you. Yeah. You got a lot of shit going on mm-hmm. in your mind right now. And I know it, right? right. Because right. this is what we do. And you're going to be able to say something and you're going to give me some more depth on right. what I'm talking about. Right. And, and, and you know, for me, it, it's really, it's bringing up and I'm, I'm, I'm not sure exactly why, but I, I know there are some real links. It's bringing up for me, you know, the 10 years I, I taught in prisons in uh, Michigan and Washington, you know, in Ypsilanti and Jackson and Detroit and Seattle and Gig Harbor and all the, you know, all the, all the different interactions I had with, uh, with guys who are locked up inside. And, you know, I, I was an undergrad at the University of Michigan that got involved with this organization there called the Prison Creative Arts Project. They gave me my first opportunities to teach in prisons. And mm. I'd always wanted to teach in prisons because my mom had taught in prisons in Pennsylvania before mm. I was born. I remember one time when I went in and, uh, you know, I was maybe about 20 years old and I went into this prison I think it was in Jackson, Michigan. We would we would do improv- improvisational theater. So we would create a play and we would all come up. Each person would come up with their own character that fit into the, the theme of the play that we were doing. And um, and there was usually a moral that was, you know, it was a moral takeaway from the from the play. Yeah, yeah. But I went in one time and we were, you know, we were getting ready to rehearse and I was just feeling I was feeling low. I was feeling depressed. I was just feeling the weight of the world and how unfair every everything seemed to me and you know that I, I could I could see that there were guys who were locked up in there who you know had I been in a different situation when I was a kid and you know had I been caught doing some of the stuff that I did you know I, I, w- I would have ended up just like them you know and I could see that and I and I felt my privilege as you know an undergraduate at the University of Michigan um in comparison to these guys who were locked up and, you know, a lot of them didn't know what the future was going to look like beyond the next 10, 15 years in a cell. And, uh, you know, we had over 2 million people locked up in this country and mm. 40% of them were people of color. Mm. And anyway, this one day I went in there and, uh, and I was, I was, I was just feeling so low. And I, and I, you know, I think one of the guys asked me, he was like, well, you know, what's going on with you? And I was like, Oh, like, everything's terrible and blah 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 and he was like whoa 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 <laughs> he was like leave that right outside those doors he was like don't bring that in here we don't need that in here right. you know we need you to keep it positive right. in here okay so um and and i really i really tried to learn a lesson from that and try to you know and that's not to say that i don't feel low some days you know or that i don't ever get into a funk and i don't ever feel depressed because i i certainly do sometimes um but uh but it made me more aware of what i what i bring into a situation Mm -hmm. you know and like and how i handle myself and how i carry myself i also remember uh you know this sign that i saw when i was a kid that said you know, it's not the weight of the world. It's not the weight of the load that brings the man down. It's the way he carries it. Mm. You know, I always thought about that. Yeah, man. It's it's um. You know, fortunately, you know, you were able to. You know, and I'm sure it's impacting you in so many different ways. And I think the the biggest thing is is just the humility, right? You know, mm. you you're you were you had exposures that were able to allow you to see things outside of what you know to me when it comes to this you got a head start in this race you know what i mean 
you know, you had a lot of exposure to these 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 issues. Your mother made it her intention mm -hmm. to make sure that you understood what was really going on right. and for you to form your own interpretations and to have your own, you know, opinions and to be in your own space with it, um, which is, you know, it's it's just so it's important for everybody to understand that. But from uh, from her knowing that you have these certain privileges just by you being a white person mm -hmm. knowing that you were going to be a grown white man at some point right she just instilled in you instilled with these things that these what she was doing which was like it's 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 incredible but for her to take you along that ride yeah it speaks volumes mm -hmm. about her but it also mm -hmm. speaks volumes you know like even if you didn't want to be you know in this space you had no choice these certain things you did you get exposed to especially what you're talking about those are humbling experiences absolutely those are humbling things that you can't escape you have to deal with mm -hmm. it it's if it's not then it has to be somewhere along that journey because when when you're developing you're going to all it's going to be imprinted on your mind right. and you're always going to be having to reference when we have conversations you'll be like oh man i remember i was in this this i remember when i was in this place i remember i had to deal with such and such mm -hmm. those things as you remember those things keep a certain level of balance right and as other people are doing you may have other white friends that are doing all other types of other shit yep. even if you can do them you're doing them in a space where you're like hold up i understand this shit a little bit different mm -hmm. i understand what i am allowed to do i understand the privileges that i have yeah i'm very conscious of that and i'm not taking them for granted i'm also understanding that there are other people around that do not share these same privileges right and you're constantly in that mode of having to understand that so it's a responsibility, fortunately or unfortunately. Now you have to be like responsible to that, right? Because it's a part of you. Well, you yeah, be, you know what I mean. It's it's something that just like well, became also, part of you now. Absolutely, and also just like growing up, like you know, when I started playing basketball, summer after seventh grade, and then a couple of years later, I, I mean, I was a kid who just played basketball like five, six, seven, eight hours a day if I could. I would just play all day long and just kind of work out my problems on the basketball court. Uh, I would just shoot alone for hours. And But I played, you know, I was the only white boy on the Galilee Baptist Church team. And uh, I would travel with the team, played AAU. And uh, so, you know, because because of who my mom was and and you know she was a she was a professor at princeton and and a writer and really has uh de dedicated her life to making an connections yeah. and, and being an activist and 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 you know reaching across lines of color um you know i was always around people of all colors when i was growing up and then when i was in south africa uh, you know, studying abroad and playing basketball for the University of KwaZulu Natal. Again, I was the only white white guy on the team, and so just having those experiences and like, you know, not I don't think most white people have have been had the experience mm -hmm. of being the minority. It's, you know, that that is a very good point. That's a very good point, and that has that also promotes. You know, I don't mean to cut you off, not at all, but that promotes like humility as well mm -hmm. right you you're coming from a space where you're the only right so you have to deal with that 
especially it's like it's not something that oh you know you it's not about wearing it like a badge of honor it's like that was my reality Mm -hmm. i was that i was the only one i had to i had these experiences i had these it's not nothing that i can make up it's stuff that i actually had to go through but also like i actually did but also enjoyed going through exactly you know it was a positive experience but it was it was also uh, you know a, an opportunity for growing and learning right and you know for for realizing that in life you're not always going to be the majority race or the minority race like it depends on your situation and what you're doing and where you put yourself if you surround if you're a white person and you surround yourself with only white people all the time then i think you know i'm not trying to be obnoxious but i think your life is going to be a lot more boring than if you know <laughs> you if experience you're, of it if you, it's true. If, if, if you have friends across color lines yep. and you're, you're not like just locked into like a particular suburban culture with only your own white skin and everyone else's white skin around you mm-hmm. and the problem with that is life can start to feel really small you start feeling like even more lonely because it mm. seems like everybody has the same expectations and the same biases and the same prejudices mm. and the same fears and the same hopes. Mm. Uh, and, and then when you're, you're caught in that, then, you know, it's time to break out. It's, you're right. I mean, it becomes like you think about it. Now that you're saying it's like, it's like a limited, ex- a limited existence. Like, you know, some people have a warped idea too. If you're not, and you know, for me, you know, I've I've had similar ex- experiences as a black man. You know what I mean? I've been in isolation where I was the only black person, right? Which is kind of, you know, I'm in a situation now where I'm the only black person. I've had skewed views of what it is to be white, or just I had general perspective of, and I generalized it a lot too. Like I've seen a whole lot of stuff, like. I mean, a whole lot of things that I'm just like, hold up, man. Like, this isn't what I thought it was. You know, the way this person is living or existing isn't what I thought it was. You know, a lot of times we put these things in our mind just because a person is white, that their existence is just like, it's just great. It's just a superior experience. But like you're saying, you know, white people get caught up in their own day to day, their groundhog day of of it's a limited experience too. You know, they isolate themselves into a box of where they don't have shared experiences and it becomes so mundane. Mm-hmm. Like they don't they're not able to have a full experience because they're just they process stuff and they're experiencing things in one way. Right. Right. They it's a limited it's a limited existence. But they're the ones that are having that that, you know, that they're suffering because of it. And a lot of times too, like black people, we do the same thing. We we have limited it from that perspective, you know, we have a more I think it may be more than theirs because I think we're our interaction, I don't know if we're forced to interact more. Maybe it's because of our economic situation or our, you know, having to get employment. Maybe, you know, maybe we're we're forced to have more go across the color lines, not not even wanting to, but maybe because it's not by design or choice, it's because maybe we have to. Yeah. So we have these other experiences with white people, but a lot of times they're not even experiences that we are, you know, we're not, we're not, we may not, we may be looking at them wrong. And I say that meaning that I could have a skewed perspective on the way a white person 
exist and lives their day to day. But until I really find out how they live in their day to day, I really don't know. And I, and I found that out when I started doing appraisal work. There's a bunch of people that's out here that, you know, like white people that, that I mean, you know, there's a lot of people that you can think that they're in a good situation, but they're not. There's a lot of people out here, a lot of white people out here. They they got a lot of troubled loans. They got a they like they they could be acting like they they're living a certain way, but they really not. You know, I mean, it's not it's not what you think it is because you're looking at all the shit from behind the scenes. You're like, yo, this person is really in a fucked up situation. Like for real, not not like feeling sorry for them or nothing, but it's the truth. Like that were the, those were the realizations that I had. And when you're talking about it just in business, you're like, oh, this person is it's a troubled loan. They're they're too they haven't been making any payments. They got this shit going on and they're about to just they're about to go under. Not saying that they're in dire need of um some kind of like they're about to die or something, but it, the perception is that these things that they are just okay and that everything works out and they just got it all together. That's so far fucking from the truth. Right. It's not. Right. They they don't. Right. Not, I mean, I'm sure I'm a, there's probably more than people than not or maybe not. Right. But the perception is, and that is another thing about living in the bubble with each other. They're all, you know, there are a lot of white people that are just trying to oppress upon other white people that they are okay. And a lot of them ain't. Now right. we do it with each other too. Mm-hmm. You know, black people do that with each other too, but white people do it too. Absolutely. They really do. And it's something that, I mean, it's just a fact. I'm not like, I'm not watering the, the situation down. I'm just, it is a fucking fact. Right. It's something that I actually witness with my own two eyes. Right. And it, it, it doesn't change things. And only thing it changes is your reality into your perception. Mm-hmm. Now it becomes like, oh, this is how it really is. Right. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, yeah, you can't really you can't really make assumptions, can you? They they say when you assume anything, you make a you make an ass, ass out, out of you, you and, and me. me. That's right. That's how that shit, and that's exactly what happens. I mean, it's like, man, <laughs> it's the truth, though. Yeah, it's so fucking true. And I think those are a lot of things that force me to exist in more of a reality based, mm-hmm. you know, have a more reality and start peeling things back. Right. You know what I mean? Like even when it comes to politics, I had to I. I was a person that just subscribed to being, you know, a Democrat, just flat out. And that was more so because the people that are around me were subscribing to be a Democrat or subscribing to liberalism. That's fine. But at the end of the day, I was looking at the other side like it was just the enemy completely. Didn't want to hear any perspective. Didn't want to hear any other viewpoint. It's like, no, you're white and you're racist and you're fucking conservative. And that's not true. It may be true for some, but it's a party. It doesn't sum it all up as opposed to just looking at it like that. And then you got to learn about politics. I didn't even know anything about it. And that... As opposed to just, you know, well, Democrat, you got to, I'm black, I got to, you know, that was really, it's like almost like religion, you know, feeling like, you know, if you, if you're not, if you don't believe in something and you're, it's like being an atheist. If you're, if you're an atheist, you know, most people look, oh my God, you don't believe in God. Like Christians, you don't believe in God. What the fuck is wrong with you? You know what I mean? And that's the same thing. Like if you're a black person mm-hmm. and you're not, not even to me. It's worse when you're a black conservative, but if you're if you're a black person and you don't subscribe to either side, it's like you're still getting pushed to 
being a conservative or per having conservative views. And it is something that is it really is mind blowing because these are ways that us as black people, we we fall victim to these these things. And we think that we're subscribing to everything that's good. But really and truthfully, if the people that we we're not getting, we have not been our issues have not been addressed fully by subscribing to this party. It hasn't been. They haven't no. been. So if you're doing that over and over and over again and it's not giving you and you're not getting any results, something else needs to change. Doesn't mean you have to go to the other party. Like I said, it's about going inward. It's right. about going internal. Yes. And that's where the nationalism comes from because mm. we're removed from that. We're removed from ourselves. That's why we are relying for anything that is giving us attention so that we can feel like something. Right. And it's not okay to do that without each other. We need each other so that we can understand each other and build our own foundation outside of all of these constructs that are already there for us to just piggyback off and subscribe and help their numbers. Right. Right. And we're not helping our numbers. And that's the that's the problem with today's politics, especially with endearing white liberals right mm -hmm. like not all of them but just the concept of look we're gonna you you know we're we're here to help you and you know what i mean like and I, don't get me wrong there's a lot of you know people who are white liberals that and that help that have mean good mean well but when it comes to politics and policy that's something that we have to understand. It's not about a feel-good situation. This is about policy and stuff that affects our actual well-being, money, economics. Exactly. This is exactly what this is about. And that's where that's where we can't get any other help. We have to go internal. Nobody is going. We're not going to get that help. We have to understand it's our obligation to grab that dollar or grab that peace or grab and establish our community so that we can have a functioning community or grab our people so that we can have a functioning community. That's what politics is about. Mm -hmm. Local politics, you know, it starts with local politics. You know what I mean? You want some shit done? You got to make us think about it. If the person ain't doing it, you get them the fuck out of there. That's just the bottom line. It's business. It, this shit ain't personal. And, and you know, I'm, I'm going. Yeah, no, I hear you. I hear you. You know what I'm saying? I, mean, I, I feel like we have to have a conversation in this country about race that transcends politics. You know? Yeah. And it, and it seems like for a while now, you know, definitely years, many years, the two sides don't talk to each other yep. and they just throw things at each other. Thanks. And I, I have people who I love who are on the left and people who I love who are on the right. And they just, you know, there's a lot of just, um, you know, hair trigger responses. There's, you know, th there needs to be more of an intelligent dialogue about race. And it's one of the things that I think about, like, I don't, I'm not aware of any place in the world that's figured this out you know i know that you know for instance in south africa apartheid ended you know much more recently you know it ended in after the revolution in the early 90s i believe maybe 90 95 any, anyway you know there was a truth and reconciliation commission after the end of apartheid from you know from my experience there's still a lot of you know from my experience in south africa in the late 
in the late 90s there was still a ton of racism mm. definitely from white people for sure um but you know I, I you know i don't know how you figure all this stuff out but you got to talk about it you can't not talk about it you can't pretend like it's not there because it is there it's, it's there, there all the time yeah and when you know people of color got to live their lives every day day in and day out being aware of the threats of the system that they live within then it's incumbent upon white people to also be equally aware of the system that we live within and our part in that because we're not about to go back 400 years in time, but we do have today. We do have now. We have this moment right now. And that's all we really ever have is the present moment. And so I feel like if people can 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 get a hold of that in some ways and have conversations around that, the transcend politics that transcend petty divisions then you know we can get somewhere interpersonally you know just between people on a really basic small level and i think if that's happening all over the country you know real change can happen and 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 you're absolutely right and like literally starts with me and you you know what i mean mm -hmm. that's how this shit works you know we have to focus on the connections that we can actually focus on you know what I mean? Like we have to focus on what we can focus on. It's not about looking past it. It's about looking at it. This is what we can actually do. We need to pay attention to what we can actually do and let that take its own legs. And that's 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 the stuff that to me is just, it's most important. Like as we're talking, I'm like we have responsibilities as men, a white man and a black man or white men and black men. In my specific situation, I know in Zach's too, we have kids that we care about and we love very deeply. That's right. And the way we are conducting ourselves and the shit that we're doing now, this is the shit that they are going to have to look at. We are the ones that are setting the patterns. We are the ones that are, are laying the foundations for them to be impacted by the things that we're doing in our backyard. These are things that we chose to do. We're choosing to do because we feel the level of importance. This shit ain't about us. We 40 something years old. You know what I mean? We got kids that we're trying to make some shit happen for. You know what I'm saying? Like not, our lives aren't over. Our lives are enriched because of the fact that we have kids that we know that we can have something for them to look forward to. And even in a fucked up world or the way shit is going right now, you know, we have to figure out a way still. It's not over. Right. We can still do the shit that's significant for us to change the shit that we need to change. Right. So our kids can have a better way of existing, mm -hmm. you know, in a well around a well-rounded way. That's the important shit. And if we're not talking to each other. And our kids don't see us talking to each other. How are, they how are going we going to expect them to talk Absolutely. to one another? That's it. And that's the thing. It has to be that. Our, the foundation is this is the work that has to be done in order for change to really be implemented. Because the change that's going to be implemented, unfortunately, bro, the damage is so bad yeah. that it can't be in our lifetime that we're going to see it fully change. Right. Because that means we have to drop the gems now for our kids so that they are the ones that are going to be able to take it into whatever it needs, wherever it needs to be taken to. Mm -hmm. That's the importance. That's the importance of this. But the problem is that most of us are looking at, oh, you know, how can we satisfy our bottom line? How can we satisfy our equation right now? 
You know, we're not looking for the kids. We're not looking for tomorrow. We're not looking how that's going to look. We're not looking for how that's going to be built up the framework of that. We're not looking at that. We're not paying attention to how our interactions are so that our kids can be healthily impacted by how we're dealing with each other. We're not we don't have enough focus on that. It may be light focus, but it's not enough. And that's the reason why this these things are important. Yeah. So that people, like I said, the backyard, you know what I mean? We're in a, a sweaty studio airing this shit out. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, and it, it's important for that to be known. So we understand like, look, this is important to right. us and it should be very important to other people because this is a significant dynamic and exchanges that does not to me happen that I don't see visibly happen no. a lot. And it needs to happen more. We need to do this shit more. We need to explore these avenues more. And it's the perfect time for it. Yeah, it really is. Yeah, it's it's way past time, feels like. But you know, mm-hmm. if, if it's if it was ever time, it's time now. We need to start talking to each other. We know? got to. And, and getting uh, over those hurdles of like, you know, like the uncomfortable hurdles. Right. You know, that's really a big issue. The uncomfortable hurdles. Like, you know, and, and like and people just need to be comfortable with the fact like, look, you're not gonna fucking like everybody. No. You're not going to fucking get along with everybody. Right. And you got to lean into your discomfort. That's it. Yeah. There's black people that, look, black people that shit, like, I don't have to say that we, there's a lot, we don't get along too. Obviously, you know what I mean? We, we, we knock each other off. We know there's a lot of black on black crime, you know, that we are just, we just don't talk about, you know, because of whatever. Like, I can't, I can't talk about a black person harming another black person or killing another black person over a white person killing a black person. That can't be the conversation because it's going to be interpreted that I'm a a white apologist or apologizing for white behavior or whatever the fuck we, how we determine or give a, a, a black pass or whatever this shit that we, fucking conjure up in our society in our community which is basic is just a bunch of bullshit it really is based on a bunch of bullshit because i'm not going to be i don't give a fuck what people are saying but i know that i'm 10 toes down for my my community i want to establish a, a or be a part of a, a conglomerate of people uh, or a collective that wants to establish an actual black community like that is something that I aspire to do. I really want that. I want to have a, a, a function, a community where I don't have to go across county lines to get good service. I want to go be able to walk around the fucking corner. You know what I mean? That's a community. I don't have to go all all over the place to be actually get service from someone that looks like me and I can trust and they care trust and and they're going to we can do business. Right. Right. And we can we can get I can get proper care and proper customer service and be able to deal with that shit. I don't I don't want to have to deal with any any, you know, and having to go outside of my community. I want to be able to exist in the community like everybody else does, like white people do, like Asians do, like Indians do, like Hispanics do. I want to be able to do that, too. Mm -hmm. 
You know what I mean? Like that that's something that's really important. But we have to we don't address these issues. It's hard to address. We don't address the fact that, yes, we do kill each other. Yes, we do. And yes, there there is over 300 homicides in every black on black homicides in every major city every year. Okay, but that, that not only that, you got 300 black men in the grave and then the, the, the person that put them in the grave, you got that. And then you got 300 black men in jail. Mm-hmm. So now you double the, the, you double on the count. I'm I'm not going to sit. I'm not OK with that. I am not OK with that. I, I, that is something I'm not OK with first. That is because I it for me, for me to sit up here and be like, oh, yeah, that's you know, that's just. It's not that. No, it's extremely important. It's extremely important for me to have to for for because it's me. I am him and he is me. And if he is killing himself, then he's if he's killing him, then he's killing me. It's the same thing. You know what I mean? We are we're 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 there's no there's no strength if we don't have numbers. We don't have the numbers to insulate and protect ourselves and protect our community and make our community thrive. We we are anybody that is if we're killing each other, we're not we're not helping each other. It's just it's just the bottom fucking line. And 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 I and that is that is 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 no to me if police brutality is and to me that is like it's a, it's the worst systemic kind of oppression that you can ever that can ever be. I I still don't put that on top of importance from a, a somebody that I that looks like me, walks like me, and talks like me, killing somebody else that looks like me, walk like me, and talk like me. I I just I it's that is that is the most important. That is the most important. That is the most that is the most substantial thing because it's our life. You know what I mean? We need to we we have to understand it, it just speaks volumes. Yes, it's a systemic thing, but we don't we have to find out why we have this disdain. Where is the lack of connect? Where is the lack of love? Because that is the part that is missing. And that's the catalyst for the action. That's the reason why we're doing it, because there's something missing. And we find out that there's something is we solve a problem. So it's not just about, oh, it's not being as, you know, we can't compare the two, a white person killing a black person, a black person killing a black person. No, finding out why we are doing it solves a lot of problems. Mm. That's what solves the problems. We have to start with that. That's how we solve our problems. Not just existing in it and acting like, okay, it's not as significant as something else. No. You know what I mean? You know, if we it's it's suicide. Right. It's literal suicide. And we don't look at it that way. It's suicide. And we and that's that's way that's a it's it's a it's homicide could be considered a, a psychological issue, but suicide is though. It is. Like it's automatically a psychological thing. It is. Suicide is automatically a psychological thing. Homicide could be somebody did something to my mom. So I had to take him the fuck out. You know what I mean? Somebody did something to my sister. I had to fucking kill him. But suicide, that's killing yourself. Mm. That's psychological. That's something that we are not uh, we have not addressed. That comes from trauma. It's deep rooted. And that 
is the issue. That's when we get to that, then we can solve our problems. Mm -hmm. I was thinking about that lack of love that you were talking about, you know, and the lack of love, you know, being like just just the way people walk around, you know, in our in our lives every day, you know, and like oftentimes I think when people see each other, when strangers see each other, there can be a perception of disrespect. You know, you feel like, you know, some other male, I might feel like some other male disrespected me in some small way. Happens all the time, like a million times, you know. it's. Just, I think it's a really common experience. I think a lot of people feel that way. Um, and, uh, and, and, and then I think, I think it would be useful. It's useful to realize that actually, like, at least speaking as a white guy, like white people males or white people don't always just show respect to other white people we don't you know so we might ignore somebody else we might not even pay you know give them the time of day not like even acknowledge their presence and then i think that that can get be misconstrued sometimes across color lines because you might have a black guy walking down the street and he sees a white guy and the white guy is not making eye contact not looking at him and you know what's what's the assumption like what is the white guy thinking is this like some disrespect but white people do this we do this to each other all the time and that's not to say that maybe it maybe it is intended as disrespect but i think that a lot of that is assumed and it's not always actually mm. there and i think that one of the problems that we have in our society is that we take a lot of things personal that are actually not personal mm -hmm. you know because usually you know it has to do with the person whose behavior we're looking at you know and of course when the consequences of that behavior are dire and somebody ends up killed or imprisoned then that's a major problem and we need to talk about that but i think that that happens all the time in ways that are much smaller you know things that we might call microaggressions you know and you know you're absolutely right and i think that um you know the the significant you know, difference in that is that we're like, like I'm talking about, like with the therapy and with with suicide is concerned. Like, with I think in most, not saying all of them, but in most situations where you have these encounters with other the disagreements, and I see it too. It's not like I don't see it. <laughs> the disagreements, the standoffs with white men, most of the time it's not going to translate into fucking homicide. Most of the time, it's not going to translate into death or white on white, you know, crime. Not saying it doesn't happen because I know it does. I'm saying that what we experience is tied into something that's deeper. Yeah. That's tied into something more systemic. Mm -hmm. That's tied into something that needs redirection because it's embedded in trauma. Right. And we have historically, regardless of people want to take it back to slave times when we were pitted against each other. Yeah. Right. When we were forced to fight each other. Right. And on, and, and, and I don't know if it, it and, and maybe it was programmed, but at the end of the day, it doesn't mean that it needs to be out. It needs to be first on the, uh, the list because of the fact that it is systemic. The fact that we do need to have that kind of healing. That's why it needs to be placed first, because it's going to be different. A white person didn't have that systemic right. situation happen right. to them. So that's why they can use discernment in those situations and say, you know what? We're just going to argue it out and fight it out and whatever. It's not going to end in bloodshed. Right. 
most of the time. It's not going to just when in our situation, we have to that has to be something that's on the back of our mind. This could ultimately end up in bloodshed. Yeah. Because it's something that's a reality. That's right. And that's something that is a systemic thing. But that's something that we actually have to address in order for in order to bring some level of understanding so that we can reverse this thing. Right. Because it's it's a curse. No, we're cursed with that. We're cursed with these things that have so much. It has so much history. And that has to do like and it still ties into, you know, black nationalism for me. Because it has to do with how I feel about someone that looks like me. Right. And I don't want them to harm each other. Because they harm each other, they're harming me. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's, how, that's just how it is. Right. You know, I harm myself, I'm harming them. You know what I mean? I harm somebody else that looks like me. I'm harming everybody that looks like me. It's this. It really, that's what it is. And it's indicative of how we view, how... What self-care is, how we are viewing um how we love ourselves, right? That which is the and how we respect ourselves. And then we can talk about what we need for ourselves, how we can better ourselves. You know what I mean? But we gotta find a way to understand that we're not loving ourselves the way we're supposed to. That's right. Yeah, I, I I really appreciate you speaking the tr- speaking your truth. Yeah. I, I one of the things I think about lately too is uh the looting that's this mm. been this been going on. I don't know if it's still continuing quite as much as it had been happening. Some of the plywood's coming off the windows, and people are starting to put the pieces back together. But um, you know, and I was just thinking about it. It seems like you know it's just a thing in the country is that property matters more than black lives in the country. That seems to be part of the feeling. And, you know, that's not condoning the looting, but it's also showing that, you know, the looting and this civil unrest that's happening is throwing into stark contrast this truth that seems to be out there that that property is is more seems more valuable to people than black lives. And that's got to change. Right. And and what what are the solutions around that? You know, a lot of people are talking about, do we defund the police? You know, I heard the mayor of Ferguson interviewed and she said, no, she knows she's an African-American woman. She said, no, I don't think that's the solution, but there need to be reforms. You know, there need to be changes in protocols. And then how do they do that when you have thousands of police precincts all over the country who do things in different ways? But I think it can happen. I think it can happen. I hope it can happen at the federal level where they can say, look, you you know, you know, you can't do certain things. And I think it would be useful if there was a demilitarization of the police because it does seem like the police are getting too much money for you know, all the things that they want to do. And, you know, it's fine. It's fine to have a strong police force if you're having a fair police force that's treating people justly, uh, regardless of their skin color. But I don't, I don't, you know, and I know, I know there are a lot of good cops out there, you know, you know, I know some of them, but you know, there's some bad ones too. And, and, uh, you know, how do you, how do you make changes at a big level? They're going to stop, you know, police departments from, you know, business as usual, because that's not working anymore. It's really not. And I think that, um, you know, you, you bring up a good point about, you know, property being more valuable 
um, or, you know, that being, you know, the, the, the thing. And I, and I think that regardless of how anybody wants to put it, me, myself personally, I don't agree with the, the concept of looting. I don't agree with it. Do I understand? Absolutely. I totally understand. I understand that, you know, people are in dire situations. People have been subject to people living in an economically oppressive. They have economically oppressive situations. You know, we're living in a, a very, very challenging time. Times when people are being laid off. People don't have any jobs. People are were already in bad situations before this thing even started. And they just get worse. So there is an outcry. Some people don't, you know, I, I ask myself, well, man, like, why the fuck don't, you know, the same, why why not go out into the county and tear the county up, you know? And if you really are, you know, if, if you're really going to loot, you know, don't tear your own fucking neighborhood up. Go out there and tear their neighborhood up, right? And that's the first thing that comes to my mind. I don't, only, I'm not lying. Like, that's just how I feel about it. Why do that? And then I think to myself, I'm like, damn, well, a lot of people that are in the, in the, in the city, they don't know even to do that. They don't know. They live. That's where they are. That's what they know. So they they only know like and they only can they experience the brutality. They experience the marginalization. Right. They experience all of that shit. And then it just comes down to, you know, now it's like they're in a, you know, they are lashing out because they're like, this is fucked up. I see this. We they just caught George Floyd on on tape. This shit happens all the time. I mean, I don't know if it results in death all the time, but the actual act of police brutality and the beatings and that shit happens all the time. When people catch it on tape, you know, sometimes I don't even know if it's cons- we consider it lucky because a lot of times nothing even happens after that. But you know, there's so many others that don't get caught on tape, and that's be- that energy is what that they have comes from that the energy that comes from the looting that comes from that when the, that that rebelliousness it comes from that it comes from look we i witness this all the time i'm tired of this shit you know and taking shit and and going to stores look i can't at the end of the day somebody said subject to that level of oppression they don't have shit what the fuck else they gonna do they're gonna go out there and take the shit because they don't have it they're like fuck this whole system I don't give a fuck. I'm just now, you know, it's all going up in flame. I'm just going to take what I can get. I, I I, can't, I can't, I, like I said, I, I don't agree with it, but it may be, be because that, you know, I'm not in that situation. You know what I mean? I don't, I'm not experiencing that. And I'm not, I can't judge at that point. I'm not, I can't judge a person for the way they're experiencing, they're, they're lashing out. And you're right that there's, you know, property winds up becoming more important than everything else. But these a lot of these these companies, a lot of these businesses, they prey on a black dollar anyway. They prey on it. They they capitalize on a black dollar anyway. They really do. They take advantage of people. They don't you know, the black person that goes into a bank and tries to get a loan. You know, he may he has he may have a checking account. That's and and, and they these banks have checking. They have have banks in the neighborhoods. And they establish checking accounts, you know, their money goes, they, they put their money into these financial institutions and they can't even grab money for a loan to start a business out of these, these companies, but they give it to somebody else. You know, they give the loan to somebody else that mm-hmm. don't look like them. 
And these and they 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 they're getting rich off of these communities. Everybody capitalizes off of the black dollar. They do. It's there to get. We spend it. So it's there to get. You know, so it's no, it's no, you know, at the end of the day, you can't sit back and complain that you're getting your shit ran through. It's a it's a fucking cleansing now. You know what I mean? You know, people are, you know, it's it, maybe it's just about that time. You can't sit back and say you didn't know what the fuck was good. You know, like I'm like I said, I'm not condoning it. But at the same time, behind the scenes, the business part of it, I'm very in tune with that. Maybe not a lot of people are, but I know. I know how the banks operate. I know how these businesses operate. They they're gonna prey on it. Doesn't make it right, but it's the price of rice. If you know you're getting free money at the end of the day, hey, you know, this just consider it a kickback. You got your shit is insured. You'll get it back. You're going to get the shit back. Mm-hmm. You know, triple. Matter, matter of fact, to be quite honest with you, most of these fucking businesses would probably it, it want their shit to get looted up. Because look at the time we're in. Nobody's getting serviced in business, right? Businesses are getting shut down. Small businesses are losing money, right? So fuck it. Let the shit go up in flames and get the insurance money. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, I see. I mean, it can't it's, it can't go on like that forever. It, right? can, it because, can't. I'm just saying, like, yeah. I, I can't. If I'm a business owner right. and I own a fucking business, and COVID has shut my business down for months, right. I'm on the verge of going out of business. Right. If somebody come and loot that business, I have insurance still. You right. follow what I'm saying? Yeah. No, your premiums are going up, but you at least got some money coming it's in. Right. Right. At the end of the day, we were lo- it was a loss anyway because the store was closed down what because the of COVID nineteen. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I hear like, that. Like, what the fuck is, what else? Like, what, like, I'm not, like I said, I'm just in tune with the other parts of it. I'm yeah. not, it's this other shit that's going on with it. It ain't that simple, bro. No. Like, it's not that simple. We could just sit up there and be like, oh, you know, like, oh, they just looting. Okay, like, the business part about it, though, mm. More than likely, when this shit blows over, you're going to fix it up. Your premiums will go up, but you're probably going to overvalue everything that you're claiming on that fucking claim, yep. and you're going to get your money back, and the same people that loon your shit, they're going to go back and give you money again. And they're going to pay. Yep. On that note, we'll leave it there for now. You've been listening to Black Guy, White Guy Talking. Send us your questions or comments to blackguywhiteguytalking at gmail.com. And tune in next week for the next episode.
As a disclaimer, Zach and I don't pretend to speak for all white 